Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Well, we don't know. When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics. The NBA playoffs continue to carry excitement down in the bubble as we now know the teams that will be playing for a bid in the NBA finals. And oh, I don't want to ruin the show or spoil it for anyone, but we're going to have some fun talking about one of the conferences. I can guarantee you that in the next couple of minutes, the NFL gets off to its start in week one without any flaws any boo-boos seemingly okay. The product on the field for a week one game, not the worst thing in the world. College football with a major announcement. Somebody coming to the party a little bit late. Baseball flying. We have sports. And here's the thing that I don't think people realize is now that all these sports are back, I don't have a lot of free time anymore, Al. I got to be flipping through channels. I got to be watching the NBA. I'm flipping a baseball. Oh, now there's football on college. What channel? It's tough, man. We needed to like kind of ease our way into having all these sports thrown at us. We're not used to this sort of thing, but I think we'll press on. I think we'll be okay. I think we'll get through the show. And one of the reasons why I think we'll be okay in getting through the show was what happened last night, Tuesday night, as we specifically waited to record this. Because no matter what the result, we would know who would be playing the Los Angeles Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. We weren't exactly sure how it would go, but the end result of how it did has made us both, I don't want to speak for you, but joyous. And now you can take the floor before I come afterward to just tell the listeners why for this week we're a little bit more joyous when it comes to one of our teams not doing something, but another team having something done to them? Well, Big John, it was, uh, first of all, in in terms of what you said to open, we knew this was coming. We knew eventually there was going to be a cavalcade of sports, an absolute barrage if everything went well without major COVID issues to literally shut down seasons. Not only has it shut down the seasons, other than debilitating the Marlins for a while and my Cardinals who basically play doubleheaders every day, including tonight, but everything has marched on. MLB has survived some positive tests. So far, so good. It has been nothing but bubble issues in the NBA. And the NFL got through its first week without any issues whatsoever. As you said, the, the game on the field, not awful, not awful. You know, th- there were some glitches here and there, but the product itself, considering no preseason, very little practice, 
in terms of contact, not too bad. And a lot of exciting finishes. Uh, and the NHL rolls on. Uh, our cup finals, not quite set yet as the Islanders continue to battle uh, in the East as they win last night in a double overtime game to take Tampa to a game six. Uh, the Stars will be going in the West for the first time in 20 years. That's our hockey minute. In terms of the NBA, what happened last night was absolutely positively shocking, stunning, and beyond belief. Look, I like Denver. I was rooting for Denver. On a personal note, he probably doesn't remember me, but I represented Michael Malone and his beautiful wife, Jocelyn, when they bought and sold their co-op in my complex in White Plains, when he was coaching here in the East. He's the son of uh, former Nick assistant Brendan Malone. He is a wonderful guy. So I have kind of a soft spot in my heart for them until now. So I was rooting for the Nuggets. But I never expected the Nuggets to win the series. When they were down 3-1, I thought it was over. And even when they took it to seven, I still thought for sure that last night the clip joint would step up and win a game seven with the experience of Doc Rivers, the two rings of Kawhi Leonard, and all of their wonderful depth and their defensive versatility that everyone's raved about all year long. And tight game early, the Joker, the big man in the middle, kept him in it in the first quarter. And then in the second quarter, the clip joint jumps up, jumps out to a 12 point lead. And you figure, okay, here they go. And this is while Joker's on the bench. And then out of nowhere, they are taken out to the woodshed for the entire second quarter by one Jamal Murray. The great defensive versatility, the perimeter defenders, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, the never quiet Mr. Beverly, get lit up for 20 points, 20 points, 20 points in the second quarter alone by Jamal Murray. So without the Joker, down 12 and a chance to really take a stranglehold in game seven, they give up 20 points in one quarter to a young player, low and ball, two-point game at the half. And then in the second half, they were just taken apart. They were absolutely blown out of the building by a Nugget team that played harder, that played smarter, that played better, and a Clipper team that literally folded up their tent and went home. They showed no guts. They showed no intestinal fortitude. Their spacing on the offensive side of the floor was atrocious. It was basically face up, take threes. Patrick Beverly down low trying to post up Jokic. Are you kidding me? The only guy really showed any heart for the clip joint, who you know, I, I thought played pretty well, uh, you know, w- w- was Green. Morris did nothing. Green was you know attacking the glass, made a couple threes, uh, was working hard at both ends. But other than that, it was a nightmare. Paul George, hideous, didn't get to the free throw line. The same thing with the claw. And, and look, everybody's entitled to a stinker. I understand that. But you decided to go to the other team in L.A. The Lakers waited for you. They waited for you. They waited for you. You snub your nose to them. You wanted to go to the Clippers and build your own team. Then make them trade a boatload of picks for Paul George, who, oh, by the way, spit the bit again in another game seven. Absolute no-show. Chucking nothing but threes. Turnovers. And by the time you're in the 
mid-third quarter, they're down double digits, and they never even got close. They never made a run, and Doc Rivers did nothing. He made no adjustments on the defensive end against Jokic. He let him stand out there and basically look like a tall quarterback behind the center, calling out signals and picking out, here's a guy, where's a guy, here's a guy, there's a guy, oh, there's a cutter, there's a guy for the wide open three. Let me battle this double team. Let me hit that guy for a wide open three. Oh, there's Jeremy Grant. Oh, there's 106-year-old Ronnie Millsap. No, it's not the blind singer. Uh, you know, look it up. He's amazing. I mean, and, and, and oh, by the way, what did Coach Riley say 100 years ago to the, the Lakers when they were battling the Celtics and finally got over them? No rebounds, no rings. Look at the rebound column. Look at the rebound column. They were destroyed in the painted area at both ends of the glass. They did absolutely whatever they wanted to do on the offensive end and on the defensive end. It was one and done. And the Clippers were absolutely and positively embarrassed, both during the game, after the game, and for the entire postseason. Because the team that so many people picked, not just to go to the finals, but to win the finals, are home and a franchise that is still in its lifetime, not made it to a NBA conference final one year short of a half century of existence. To echo that last point, fuck the Clippers, man. Sorry for the kids in the car. Earmuffs. No team deserved this more this season than the Los Angeles Clippers. From the PR that, for whatever reason, started a year plus ago, Paul George is coming to town. Okay, that's nice. Then Kawhi. A guy I never wanted because I knew exactly what he is. He's a good player with a lot of talent. And when it comes crunch time, he disappears. He is a nice player, versatile player. He's a good third wheel. He's not a superstar. He'll put up some good big games. He'll have some 35-point nights because he hits a lot of threes. And he's a good free throw shooter. But where was he on the defensive end to stop Jamal Murray? Where was anybody on the defensive end to get the ball out of Doc, how about a double team? What did the Lakers do to Harden? What did the Lakers do against the Blazers today? They got the ball out of his hands. How was there no effort, no adjustment by Doc to get the ball out of Jamal Murray's hands in the second quarter when he could not miss a shot, no matter where he shot from? Threes, mid-range, runners, runners in the lane, continual runners. The announcers are like, man, it's a difficult shot. But by the way, he continued to have the ball off the bounce with no double teams. And Mark Jackson said they decided to double team Jokic and let Murray beat him. Well, Doc, can we adjust? Jokic isn't in the game. Can we decide to do something else? Double team, get the ball out of his hands? Make Jeremy Grant beat you? Make Montel Morris beat you? Make Make the, you know, somebody else. No, no, no adjustments. There's just the four minutes to go in the game. There's a timeout and you see Doc getting off the bench, clapping his hands. Let's go. Let's go. That's the best he got for us. Doc, what are you clapping for? That's the best he got for us. Let's go. All right. What are you clapping for? Draw that up on the board, Doc. Unbelievable. We had the pomp and circumstance for Paul George, which as you mentioned, little confused as to that. And then the rightful, I guess so, pomp and circumstance for Kawhi Leonard, two-time MVP, two-time finals champion. 
best player alive. Max Kellerman's Max, best player come alive. Come back to me. Max, can, can you come back to me? The best player alive? Who's life? When? <laughs> Where? He's a terrific player. But the best player alive? Are you kidding me? No free throws last night. No free How throws. does Doc Rivers not make an adjustment to get him into the painted area and excel at his mid-range game? His little face, his 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 tremendous footwork back to the make one of the make their best defender guard him in the paint, where maybe a double team comes and he can kick, or the guy who draws the double team is his guy is free on the glass to attack the offensive glass and they can get some offensive rebound, which they got none. And he can get to the free throw line and maybe see the ball go through the basket. The free throw line as the coaches love to say, get to the free throw line, see the ball go through the basket a couple of times. It'll get you going offensively. He didn't get the free throw line. Didn't get to the foul line where he never misses. Not one between the two of them, one free throw between the two of them, one free. What, what did they shoot? 10 for 38. Something like that? Ridiculous. Another just a, a three after three after three. Can somebody go to the basket? Can somebody go? Can somebody post up? Can somebody hit a cutter? Can, can the, the their offense was just totally and completely stacked. No spacing. Meanwhile, Denver's got constant movement. Cutters to the basket. The Joker hitting cutters. Guys spotting up at threes. The ball rotating. Could not believe what I was watching. It's one thing to roll out the red carpet if you're a fan or close around the fandom ship of the team for Paul George and Kawhi Leonard coming to your team, picking your team for whatever God knows reason that they did. I get it. But once you start rolling the red carpet outside of your shared stadium around the city of Los Angeles and beyond with this PR campaign of we run LA. This is our town. Now we're the ones that are the Kings chirping. Like you've never heard chirps before from a team. As you previously mentioned, has not made a Western conference finals from a player in Kawhi Leonard who does no chirping at all. The, the guy doesn't speak. He's got the personality of a chalkboard. And he's been anointed in the National Basketball Association as the, the next king, the best, best player. player. He's the guy. That's who you want to anoint in this league, this league driven by personalities, the guy that has a personality of a chalkboard. Okay, an interesting decision. The season goes on. The Clippers are resting guys during games, not holding practices, relaxing, having a grand old time, Al, because we'll be fine. We'll turn it on when it matters. The worst happens. We get a pandemic. The sport shuts down. We finally come up with a solution to fix this problem. And one of their star players off the bench decides halfway through, I'm out. I got to go get some chicken wings, man. All right. Interesting choice yet again. But you think maybe they will be able to flip the switch. They have the talent. They're supposedly the deepest team in the league. The depth off the chart. We don't need to practice. We don't need games. We'll be fine. We got depth. Okay. They're up 3-1 and you think, all right, this is going exactly as we expected it to go. The Nuggets had a great story in the first round, overcoming a 3-1 deficit. They won game seven. They're going to be exhausted. There's no way they'll match this depth. Sure enough, 3-1, it's over. Then L.A., 
has a 19 point lead, one game, a 16 point lead, another game, you blink your eyes and we're going to game seven. Okay. Well, Paul George told us they're still in the driver's seat for game seven. We have nothing to worry about then. They'll be fine. When they were trailing in the second half in the third quarter, the game felt over with Kawhi Leonard, that, that's, that's, Paul George, that's the part that's, and Co. That's just stunning to me. It was it's, over. It's not because it's because at three one, it's not like they came out flat. They had a huge lead, and just stop. I, I mean, they got in in game five and six. The same exact thing happened. They got big leads. And then once Denver got going, it was literally the same snowball going downhill. And they just rolled right over them. And then last night, again, they didn't come out flat. They, they built it. When, when they built the 12 point lead in the second quarter, I thought, oh, this is now this is serious trouble. And lo and behold, they bounced back behind Murray. And in the third quarter, it was just, I, 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 there's got to be some fight left in this team. This can't be it. And they were lifeless. Absolutely life. Throwing their arms up, you know, not running back on defense. You know, Pat Beverly, you know, mouthing off and just trying to do way too much down low in the post, out of control. And what it showed me last night is a total lack of leadership on the court. I didn't see anybody who took hold of that team from a player perspective and basically horse collared everybody and said, look, let's calm down. Let's start doing what we need to do. Let's get better shots on the offensive end. Let's move the ball. I didn't see anything from the staff that made any changes that resulted in better spacing, that got Kawhi the ball in better places for him. I didn't see a point guard who had any capacity to understand what was happening and get people in the right places on the offensive end. Their spacing was terrible. Uh, It was just everything was off the dribble. There were no cutters. There was no movement. And I didn't see a staff that made any adjustments whatsoever. Meanwhile, the Nuggets looked quicker. They looked more energetic. Uh, Kawhi looked tired. I, I saw a lack of movement some of which we saw last year down the stretch when that knee was really bothering him. I didn't see the knee drag, the leg dragging, but I just didn't see, you know, the guy that we saw earlier in the playoffs where he was putting up these, you know, just tremendous outings of plus 30 and high percentage from, uh, you know, from two in the mid range game and getting to the foul line seven, eight, 10 times a game. Uh, didn't see any of that. Nothing last night. It, it, it looked like a team in the second half that literally didn't want to play. Well, Mark Spears and I, reported I, I, that. I find that astounding. He said they so, were tired. And, 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 and I don't sit there. I, I'm not going to blame Kawhi Leonard for, for not being this vocal leader because, you know, we laud him for being effective as he is without being the rah-rah guy. So you're, it's tough to say, oh, okay, now you got to be the right. He's not that guy. He's not the rah-rah guy. He's not the guy that, you know, he's the guy who leads, if you want to say that, by the way he plays, with a quiet confidence, with playing hard at both ends, uh, being a, you know, a two-way player, all the things that you like. 
all the things that make him great. Right. But last night he didn't play well at either end. You know, he wasn't good offensively. He didn't shoot well. He looked tired on the offensive end. He wasn't much of a factor defensively. He didn't get out and run the court hardly at all. It wasn't the guy we're used to seeing in this spot. And again, we're used to seeing him at the foul line in big spots and drawing fouls and none of that. Um, he, he was not in the fray. He was not in the mix. And I don't know if it was the fact that he was worn down. Uh, I, it's not like they played knockdown drag out series previously. Uh, yeah, it was a six game series against the Mavs. And maybe they gave him more trouble than some people would have thought, but still, uh, it's not like he was out there for 42 minutes a night in a seven-game series. Did he get worn down in this series? Maybe, you know, despite all the rest with the pandemic and the load management during the season. But the bottom line is this is a team that was anointed the team in L.A. They were going to take the mantle from the Lakers. They were the new kid in town. They were built to take over Tinseltown. And not only didn't they do that, they couldn't even get out of the second round against a team that just had to play their hearts out to come back from a 3-1 deficit to get to this round. And lo and behold, they've got them down 3-1, and they can't finish them off. Not only can't they finish them off, they blow two golden opportunities to do it, and then in Game 7, they quit. They quit. And I know he's well-liked, and... I have a lot of respect for him. Every time he every time he speaks, you know, he's a guy you want to listen to, and he's respected by the players, and he's respected by the coaches, and he's respected by the announcers and the press. But I'm sorry, Doc Rivers was one of the most overrated NBA coaches I've ever seen. This is the third three one third, not 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 first, not second, not second, which no one else has ever done. This is the third three one lead his teams have blown, and he blew a three two lead to the Lakers. In 2010, with a double-digit lead in the second half, he's a he's a probably a great man, certainly a good one by all accounts, and he is a mediocre NBA basketball coach, and that's it. You know, media. There's been mediocre coaches that have won championships. You don't have to be a great coach to win a championship. There are guys who've won championships that don't fall in the category of great coaches. Gene Shue wasn't a great coach. He's an okay coach. Bill Fitch wasn't a great coach. He was an okay coach. Just a couple examples. Yeah. Teron Lewis, yeah. yeah, LeBron. Name LeBron's coaches. One one title. One title. Okay coach. You know, hasn't proven he's a great coach. You know, and, and now you have Doc Rivers, who went surrounded by the Troika, won a title. And hasn't won anything since. You look at the numbers, his record in elimination games and in game sevens is so shockingly bad, it will confound you when you you look at the numbers. Can these possibly be right? It can't be. 14 and 27? It can't be. Can't be. But 14 and 27. Steve Ballmer got out of his pool filled with gold coins and took a look at 
the back of some player cards when he wanted to build what this team would look like. And it started with Doc Rivers. And if you look at his win-loss record in the finals, etc., you can make an argument that this is the person you want as a head coach. Look at who he's coached previously and the success he, that he's had. Then you look at the players that you want to roll the red carpet out for. Playoff P, Al. They named him after the playoffs. This guy's obviously going to have success here. Look at his experience in the postseason. And you look at the back of Kawhi Leonard's card and it speaks for itself. What maybe people don't realize because it's not on the back of the player card is that Paul George has no means to be nicknamed playoff P. And I'm glad that once this happened, it's unfortunate that it had this nickname, but it was apropos pandemic P is what people were referring to him as along with other P words as well. Kawhi ends up winning an NBA finals and an MVP of those finals at a very young age, but in a system that had built incredible historic success surrounded by hall of famers out the kazoo, as they say, and a head coach that has a little bit better of a player card than say doc rivers. Then he goes to Toronto into a system, into a culture surrounded by players, as you mentioned, that have that leadership factor. Kawhi didn't have to say anything. Kawhi didn't have to be the vocal guy. Kawhi just had to go out and play basketball and his teammates would do the rest. And they did en route to winning the national championship. It was an absolutely it, perfect fit. And you it run was it a back perfect fit because he had the built in leader with Kyle Lowry, who, by the way, was incredibly upset that they traded his best friend in DeMar DeRozan. Bosom buddies, uh, friends for life, BFF. But Kyle Lowry didn't let it affect the way he played, didn't let it affect the way he led. And for the first time in his career, really, as far as his NBA finals and postseason play, he was phenomenal because coming in the last year, it was, what are you going to get from this guy? He can't play to the big moments. That changed. It all came Dramatic. together. Dramatic. And, and he became front and center, the total and complete leader of that team. And Leonard was the best player. And he didn't have to worry about leading because you had other guys who had been there before as a group. And then he decides, you know, not only you know, don't I want to play with LeBron, uh, I, I want to play in his building, I should say, in the Lakers building on the team he plays for and try and take the city from him. And, oh, by the way, now that I've done that, uh, but I, you know, I, I'll come, but you got to give up more draft picks to get Paul George to play with. And, you know, bad choice one, bad choice two. Bad choice one, bad choice two. Lakers fill out their roster with guys that, you know, we could take or leave strong defensively. Sometimes can't put it in the ocean as we've talked about when we've been frustrated. But uh, he aligns himself with playoff Paul, with the guy who can't shut up in Beverly, with Sweet Lou Williams coming back from Atlanta, with the sixth man of the year who's going to be a free agent, uh, Reggie Jackson, another Morris. That, that's it. That's it. And Zobach from the Lakers. 
That's your team. Think about it now. Let's step back. Let's look at the roster I just described. This is the roster everybody went nuts over. This is the roster that we said built for a title. This is the roster that the likes of, and I have vast respect for him. I think he knows in NBA hoops inside out. I love listening to him. Chris Broussard, the deepest, most talented roster in the league. Reggie Jackson, <laughs> Patrick Beverly, Paul George, The Claw, one of the Morris twins, 106-year-old Lou Williams, the sixth man of the year who can't shoot free throws, and Zubak. Now, that's a, that's a talented roster. That's the most talented roster in the league. Maybe us included put a little too much stock in the overall talent and depth of this roster. Because at no time in these playoffs was their great versatility and scoring depth shown in this roster. They were never in this postseason what anyone thought they were going to be. They never dominated. They, they never looked like a, you know, a juggernaut of a team. Never. They were inconsistent. They were up and down, even in wins. What portion of this group you know, is going to excel by playing so much more together? The big two? You need a point guard. You need a head to direct the body. We know it's not Doc Rivers on the sidelines. Because he showed his head was nowhere to be found. And there certainly wasn't one on the court keeping them under control, guiding them, a steady influence, someone to get people in the right place on the floor and run a legitimate NBA offense. I can't even begin to tell you how disappointed I would be as a Clipper fan, but just as an NBA fan, watching what transpired last night, I felt cheated. Expecting a game seven, a knockdown drag out game seven, game seven between the Celtics and Toronto was an ugly affair, but I didn't get cheated on effort. I had guys diving all over the floor, leaving everything out there to keep playing. I watched a high-paid, ballyhooed, shiny new toy of a franchise stall and made no effort to restart the motor. They basically left the car on the side of the road and walked home. And if I'm a Clipper fan... I am beside myself, absolutely beside myself. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. This is why I started off the show saying no one deserves this more than the Los Angeles Clippers. You roll out that red carpet for those guys. You put together your PR campaigns. You chirp all year. You've got Pat Beverly making videos. Lou Williams getting his wings. Paul George making excuses, which continued, which I'll get to quite shortly. You have all that. And then if you're a Clippers fan, you expect your investment to pay out. You expect pissing away first round picks for Paul George and Kawhi Leonard to pay out. Now's the year we're going to do it. Now's the time, especially under these circumstances. 
and you have your two star players, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George combined for five points in the second half of a game seven and score zero points in the fourth quarter. You and I scored as many points as Kawhi Leonard and Paul George did in last night's fourth quarter. Kawhi 0 for 5, 0 for 2 from 3. Paul George 0 for 6, 0 for 5 from 3, including him managing to hit the side of the backboard from a corner three-pointer attempt. And then you've got back of the player card, Doc Rivers, who has a 3-1 lead and supposedly the most depth of any NBA lineup, and he can't figure out how to put in a rotation in game five, six, or seven that'll be successful. And then after the game, you got Mark Spears coming out and saying, oh, some of the Clippers said that they were tired in the fourth quarter and could only play three-minute increments and had to be taken out. How about you win game five, six? How about you do that? Then you won't be tired because you'll be at the hotel. You're going to use that as an excuse. And then Paul George comes out after game seven and says, you know what? This wasn't a winner bust season for us. We're not out here trying to win a championship. It wasn't win or bust for us this year. We need to work on our chemistry. First year playing together. We'll come back and do better. Are you fucking kidding me? Paul George, when you told people as the year went on, this is the year you're all, you're going to win the championship. Now, all of a sudden that you did not and you got embarrassed. Oh, it wasn't a win or bust season. We'll be fine. Yeah, dude. It's not going to get any harder next year when I don't know the golden state warriors return. How's that for just one team being in your conference? You don't think these other teams aren't going to get better. The team that you barely beat the Dallas Mavericks. You don't think they might get a little bit better next year when Luke is not. Oh, I don't know. 21. He could start drinking now legally. You don't think that's going to help him out once December 25th comes around. What a stupid, ignorant thing to say. Don't have the receipts available. So when all this happens, NBA Twitter could come after your ass when it's all said and done. None more than CJ McCollum and Dame Lillard who had the time of their life on Twitter last night, just ripping these bums. And for Kawhi, it was hard not to fall in love with him with Toronto, having him lead that city basically to a championship with his play and having Lowry and everybody do their thing with the team, leading the team. It's a story that you can't not like, but then he had the nerve to drag the Los Angeles Lakers through the mud during his process, him and Han about, oh, maybe I'll come. Maybe you'll have to get me this player. Oh, don't talk to my agent. Here's the rules and regulations I have for you to even come up with the deal for me. Don't talk to my uncle. Talk to my aunt. Uh, who do you think you are, bro? All these demands and, and expectations and this, this list as long as my arm, which the Lakers met every one of for him to say, nah, I'm going to the other team. All right, man, here's what you got. You got playoff P you got Pat Beverly screaming into the wall at nobody getting six fouls before he even gets six points. You got Harold yelling at Paul George mid game. You got guys tired. You got doc rivers clapping you up when you're down 15 points and you need him to drop a play. And you got Steve Ballmer his veins popping out of his goddamn neck fuming under his mask with four minutes to go while doc's clapping. Steve is fuming. Cause you let him down exact reaction and thought the same exact thing with docs coming off. I'm, I swear to God, it's, I thought exact same. What, 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 doc, what, what, are you, what are you clapping? You're done. 
Where, where's go. the sense of urgency? Oh, uh, and then conversely, Steve Ballmer looking like he's going to burst through his clothing and turn into the Incredible Hulk, as should have been the feeling at that time, because they done fucked up. Nobody deserves this more this season than the Los Angeles Clippers. Pipe down for a little while now, especially now that we can get to the Western Conference Finals and kind of in a pissy way, because as a Lakers fan, after seeing what happened in the first two rounds, I mean, you're watering at the mouth waiting to play this Clippers team. We'll lose the first I, game, sure, but you're going to win I, this in I, five. I desperately wanted to play and beat them. Would have felt I wanted to shut them up. Fantastic. I, I, I wanted to show them you know, who, who owned the city. You, you, you want to, I don't want I hate to use the term punish, but, you know, uh, show Kawhi he made the wrong decision. But the point is, you play who is next up. So you have to get about forget about the fact that you know, it's not the Clippers, uh, and you just move on. And I, the way they've handled themselves all year, I feel no doubt they will. I think Denver will be a difficult foe, no doubt in my mind. The Lakers have the size to deal with the Joker, but no team is that comfortable defending a seven footer that far from the basket. So, other than Jokic, they're not that big a team. Davis will cause problems because he causes problems for everybody. He will be a difficult guard for Jokic uh, away from the basket uh, with his quickness and his first step. But the Nuggets will score against the Lakers. Uh, Murray is a handful, and they move without the ball incredibly well and play off of Jokic. So it will be another challenge for the Laker defense, which has been not just good, the Laker defense after, and even really in the two game one losses, the defense was played pretty well in both game one losses. They just could not could not score, uh, didn't shoot the ball well. But the Laker defense in games two through five in both series was off the charts. It was phenomenal. And they will be challenged again. I think it will be a very interesting series because against the Nuggets, the Lakers are deep. I'm looking forward to it. I think it will be a hard-fought, difficult series. Um, I don't expect it to go only five. I don't expect it to go seven. I know six almost sounds like a cop-out, but that's pretty much what I think. I wouldn't be surprised if the Nuggets game won game one, because not because the Lakers are overlooking, just because you know they, they tend to come out a little flat offensively when rested, and that's happened both times so far. Frank Bogle's done a wonderful job with this team. He and his staff have adapted to everything uh, the teams have thrown at them from a defensive standpoint. And on their end defensively, they have been really, really stellar in taking the strength away from two really strong offensive teams uh, by making them go to other people. And look, they've got two first-team All-NBA players. So they're right where they're supposed to be when you have two players of that caliber. One obviously passed his prime, but not much. And the other one right smack dab in the middle of his prime. So I am looking forward to it. I think they're going to the NBA Finals. Not because I'm overlooking the Nuggets. I think the Nuggets are terrific um, and are going to be terrific for a long time. I just think the Lakers are better. Definitely can't overlook the Nuggets, which they proved to us now in two series. So there'll be a team that you got to take seriously. It is nice, though, as you mentioned, that the two best players remaining in the postseason are both on the Lakers. To the East and tell me what you think 
off of game one. A phenomenal game one last night. Not thrilled with some of the things the Celtics did offensively, especially Kemba Walker uh, for the entire game. And, you know, Tatum down the stretch, too much pounding of the basketball instead of going to the rim. But then when Tatum does go to the rim, one of the great blocks in the history of the sport uh, by Bam Bam, uh, literally blocking a dunk at the height of its power, not on the way up, but a dunk that was literally on the way down in which he just said, "Uh uh-uh. And the... Heat win game one in overtime. Your thoughts on that series? Celtics players have to do a lot better in crunch time and a lot better overall, but specifically crunch time, at least for one player. Talking about Kemba Walker and Jason Tatum, your boy, Mr. Wright, made this note on Twitter the other day that Jason Tatum, after the six-minute mark of the fourth quarter and in overtime, Miss three, miss two, miss three, the potential game winner. Miss three, miss two, blocked dunk, miss three, game tying attempt. Now, the last miss three was just immaculate that he got it off in the first place, but it leads to 0 for 7, including the awful shot at the end of regulation and letting awesome. Bam create the highlight of the playoffs. End awesome. quote. Where's the from mid-range? Nick Wright. Where's the mid-range? How about getting it? How about getting in for a little 15 footer, a little 12 footer? Why? Nothing is game. more frustrating than at the end of a basketball game, and especially ball, now in the, the ball, postseason. Pound the ball, pound the ball, pound hero. The ball, pound the ball. Step back three in the face, hero. Highlight Mike Breen, bam. Drive to the basket, man. Call a play up. Make somebody guard you. Make somebody switch on you and double team you and find the open guy. This notion in the postseason, I can understand a regular season game. You get the ball to your best player, have him shoot at the end. If it goes, it goes. It's the postseason now. You need to score. What's the matter with a little 15-footer? Do what got you to that point of you tying the game. I hated the last shot. It's not just on Jason Tatum because this happens in on almost every game that gets down to the buzzer. But his end-of-game shooting was just not great. And I didn't like the fact that... You wanted the highlight for the game-winning three-pointer, I get. But you also kind of wanted the highlight on that dunk, Al. Like, you're going up there with authority. I'm throwing this down. We're winning this game. I'm getting on top 10 plays. When that's the harder of the go up strong, try to make contact, at least lay it in. I mean, it was an amazing block by Bam, but I couldn't believe he went for the dunk as time is running down in the game like that. There's well, seconds I, remaining, and you're well, going to dunk look, it? They, they say come strong or don't come at all. So he certainly went strong. Lay it I, in, I can't, Tatum. Not, I can't knock that. The three wasn't the right move. So he says, all right, I'm, I'm going for it. And it was it was a tremendous defensive play. And the other thing is, and I have to give him credit, Brown played incredibly hard and never let up despite the fact that he was the forgotten man on the offensive end of the floor. I mean, their offense became an awful lot of ISO with Tatum and clearly with Kemba Walker, uh, who just, you know, he's drilling for oil. I mean, it's a lot of pounding of the basketball, and I know he makes big shots, but he's going to take a step back every time. When he made the step back, I was watching, I'm like, why why is Tyler Hero buying a a jab step? And he's not going there. Let him go by. Let him go by to the help. There's help there. There's no help for the step back. Play the step back on Kemba every time. And if he goes by, he goes by him. You know, help's there. I, I thought the Heat showed great resiliency last night. They've got the veteran leadership. Uh, and Dragic, uh, Jimmy Butler has really made this his team to his credit. 
You've had issues with Jimmy Butler in the past about his chirping, about being a championship player. Haven't seen it. He's really kind of taken this team on as his own and become the guy that leads them. Incredible three-point play down the stretch that draws the contact against Tatum. Literally gets banged once, twice, takes the contact, knocks it down off the glass makes the free throw, hit the three-pointer at the end of regulation, you know, to put them up, you know, a point which was, you know, a great shot when Walker made the mistake of switching off him. He has become their guy, to his credit. And, and he does it with hard work. He's not the prettiest player in the world. He's not the best player in the world. But he's a guy I desperately wanted on the Lakers. People said, no, 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 no. And that's why I wanted him, because I, I'm not going to get cheated out of effort with Jimmy Butler. Mixed in with the Heat youth. They are a really nice mix, and Spoelstra's an excellent coach. They're going to be really good for a really long time. I have no idea who's going to win that series. I really don't. It, it, it's that close a call, but uh, Boston, I don't think, can fall behind 2-0 and come back and win the series. Regardless of the fact that there's no home court here, I don't think they could win 4-5. out of five. Yeah, gun to head, I would have to side more with the experience on the heat, it just seems like they're clicking at an incredible time to be clicking, even with some of the younger guys who are great role players for them and the leadership of Jimmy Butler. You need Kemba and Jason Tatum to have great games at the same time now with Gordon Hayward out. And it, it looks like that's too tall of an ask because they haven't really been able to do that in losses. Got to get Brown involved more. You know, if, if Kemba Walker's just going to trip away the shot clock and dominate the ball, Brown's not going to get a chance except by going to the glass. If you're not going to penetrate and look for him, and he, he's really gotten, he's improved dramatically. He plays, with, he plays with great heart. He just didn't get enough touches. And I'm picking the heat because as a Lakers fan, now's the time where you have to start ignoring the good story and the Jason Tatum went to Duke and feel good this and that Brad Stevens it almost went in and remember all oh, right Lakers Celtics forget about that so go heat <laughs> go heat let's take a quick break to pay the bills he's El Renato I'm John Lund we'll be right back with the new report old report here on Sports Radio America we welcome you back I'm John Lund he's El Renato and this is the new report old report Quickly, if we don't mention the NFL, I don't think anybody will ever come back. So I'll leave it with two words, and you could fill in the team and a couple adjectives for them. What team impressed you the most in week one, and what team disappointed you the most in week one? Well, I think it was all in the same game. You know, I, I hate to be a homer here, but uh, as I've said, if you are a fan of the NFL – and you have the Baltimore Ravens on your schedule, and they're coming to your town, you take my advice. Lock the door. Hide the women and children. Do not go outside until their flight leaves Sunday night or Monday morning because they are coming to town to take no prisoners. I granted understand it was a home game, but they just blew the Cleveland Browns out of the building. The Ravens picked up from a regular season perspective right where they left off, except except the quarterback was even more efficient from a throwing the football 
standpoint, ran far less. Hollywood Brown, much more of a factor. The tight ends, of course. The rookie running back, the rookie wide receiver. They just keep coming. The, the rookie linebackers, they just keep coming and coming and coming. The deepest roster in the National Football League. The Browns, who I picked to go to the playoffs again. It's only week one, but absolutely embarrassed. In terms of bad losses, it's very hard to separate 27 straight points given up by the Philadelphia Eagles to the Washington football team up 17 nothing. The Colts upset by Gardner May. <laughs> 19 for 20. Forget about the Butler did it. The Gardner did it. Okay. And Phillip Rivers again throwing a big interception. And of course, lo and behold, still never to a Super Bowl. The saga of the Detroit Lions just continues as you give up three, not one, not two, not three, three fourth quarter touchdowns to Mitch Trubisky. And after all that, your prize draft pick, unfortunately for him, drops a wide, wide, wide open game winning touchdown pass. In the end zone with six seconds to go. And poor DeAndre Swift, I felt terrible for him. But Matthew Stafford, again, and company, find a way behind Matt Patricia to lose their opener to the Chicago Bears in a game that, by all accounts, was over and done with. I have a pretty easy disappointment first week of the survivor pool, a friend and myself are splitting the fee. And he says, you know who we should go with really the only game that jumps out to me is we should go with the Indianapolis Colts beating the Jacksonville Jaguars. Phil rivers. Jacksonville's going to tank tanking for Trevor talking about getting Dabo to come over. Phil rivers. They're going to have fans, but the stadium is going to be as full as it normally is, even at 25% capacity or whatever they decided upon. I said, well, Phil rivers, new team, maybe new luck, but death taxes, Phil rivers down a touchdown ball in hand game, winding down with a chance to tie or win. And what does he fucking do? He throws another interception. It doesn't matter the stadium. It doesn't matter the color Jersey. It doesn't matter the players he's now throwing the ball to or who he's throwing them against. This is who this man is. It hasn't changed. This is who it is. He's going to make the fault. He's going to make the fucking hall of fame Al. And this is who Philip rivers is. You'll put the game in his hands. He'll either have the lead. He'll either have the lead within his grasp and he will throw it away every fucking time. And if he doesn't throw it away, the kicker's going to miss the kick to win the game. You would think by now he would have figured out after all these years. Now he's on the Colts as well. He needs to throw it to the guy in the white helmets, (laughs) the white helmets. Phil hasn't changed the white helmets. You have eight children. You're telling me you can't line them up in the backyard and practice that after all Put this them in time? White helmets. Put them in white helmets. 
Oh my God. I can't believe I put my faith in the arm of Philip Rivers, who still throws it like he's the old dad in his 50s playing football on Thanksgiving, hoping he doesn't tear his rotator cuff before Pushing he comes in to touch, cut the turkey. Pushing it out there. That oh, push my de- God. That push delivery of his. And I guess for impressive. The Arizona Cardinals pretty impressive in DeAndre Hopkins's first game, taking down last year's Super Bowl runner-up. Kyler Murray looked pretty good. DeAndre Hopkins looked pretty good. That offense is fast. I mean, San Francisco 49ers coming into this season with high expectations after what they were able to do last year. That's not a bad way to open up the season. Kind of turn some heads. I thought the Saints didn't look great for the Saints. We are at the point now, which you've experienced as a football fan for a long time, where the stars that you've watched for 10 to 15 years are are at the 15-year mark, where Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Big Ben, Phil Rivers, they're out there in name, but they're not out there in what we're used to seeing. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger just (laughs) jiggling around out there, (laughs) trying to move from left to right or scramble or throw. It is not the the Big Ben that we were once used to. And as somebody that is a Denver Broncos fan, which by the way, I had the plus three, so nobody has to worry about me. Thanks, Steven Goskowski. Watching Peyton Manning toward the end was kind of what we're seeing now with these other guys, regardless of the success that they could still have. I mean, you could throw like Phillip rivers and win nine, 10 games and use your team to win a super bowl, much like Peyton Manning was able to do. So you can't go by how they look, but also the other impressive team, the team that they just named after a simmed team name. If you're creating a team or a franchise in a video game, the Washington football team is in first place in the NFC East by one game after one week. You mentioned the Eagles being a disaster. So too were the Giants. So too were the Cowboys. The Washington football team. First place in the NFC East. A lot of interesting things that we talked about in this week's podcast. Al, it's always a pleasure. We'll do it again next week. 2020 just rolls on with surprise after surprise. Folks, from my partner, the great John Tiny Lund, I am El Renato Mikhail from White Plains. Have a great and safe sports week. We'll be back 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening. (laughs) 